but I wanted to um, to just bring something, not along, but something special, and then have a commissioning time tonight. We actually had a Holy Spirit ordination, spontaneous from the Lord on Jason and Sarah last night, Danny. It was outrageous. John Chisholm from IHOP, who is a businessman and oversees the whole pastoral care, he was here sharing, and then the Lord told him, that by the Spirit, it was important for him to initiate an ordination of Jason because it, it, would, it would confirm what is in his heart and it was in our heart, but it would be so supernatural that it wouldn't feel like it was orchestrated by his dad. That it would, you know what I mean? It had to be so kind of like to, be, to resist any, any doubt and unbelief. So it was absolutely staggering what happened. And uh, so I felt like I wanted to just build on that, and we'll have a time of sharing in just a minute. We'll have a time of sharing, but I just want to seal what's going on here, okay? Back back in the um, late 70s, we began sensing that something very, very profound was up in the church. And because I was saved in the Jesus movement in revival, in a small farm town in northwest Missouri, it wasn't hard for me to, to hear this word that came to me, to my spirit, and, to, and also confirmed through a friend of mine, Mike Bickle. Okay, so what we heard is this, that God's going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in this generation. This, this word from the Lord galvanized a whole bunch of people because in their spirit, man, they heard a sound from heaven. Now, your spirit has the capacity to hear a sound. That sound is, is, it was placed, that ability to hear a sound was placed in you from the, before the beginning of time. So it says, God, God before, he, before you were born, established works for you to achieve. Remember, Norm has been teaching on that transcendence of God. And he's saying that, that, that trans-dimensional side of our lives, our spirit man lives with God all the time. You are never detached from God. Your spirit is always in the presence of the Lord through Jesus. So your spirit, if you're tuned in and not quenching the spirit, not grieving the spirit, if your spirit is open, then what happens is you can hear the sound of heaven coming out of heaven. You can hear the conversations of the Trinity hitting your spirit. Now, if you are so busy having your own conversation and your own agenda, then the sound of your own voice and the, your own agenda and your own false self will actually uh, dial down the sound of heaven. So in order for you to be awakened as a spirit person, you have to go through a process called circumcision of the heart. It's extraordinarily painful. It happens over time, but it also happens abruptly, where the Holy Spirit, with the sword of the Lord, the Spirit of God, through people and circumstances, comes down and splits you in two. And your false self gets severed, your fleshy false self, your, your carnal self gets severed, cut away from your true self. And it's the most liberating thing that can ever happen to you, but it's the most painful thing. And it's super confusing because you feel like you're dying. Like, I'm dying! The, the, the fact is, you are dying. 
God is actually trying to kill you. Now, your, your false you, so your true self can live. But at the same time, the devil's trying to kill your true self, so your false self will be alive. So the two greatest powers in the universe are trying to kill you. <laughs> One way or another, you're going down. But it's critical that we get circumcised. It's a strange, bizarre statement, circumcision of the heart. It started in the Old Testament, moves into the New Testament. Do you know that there was a time that the Israelites could not take the promised land until all the males got circumcised at the same time? They crossed the Jordan, and they had group circumcision. Ow. And we're talking about a lot of adult males, and it was a visual, a goofy, type-and-shadow visual aid of what God wants to do with the church. That is weird. Now, women, you get to be circumcised just along with the men because it's a matter of the heart. So everyone gets to go through an owie. It's group owie. It was so weird. I mean, God is so funny. It actually describes that place as a mountain of foreskins. Can you imagine walking up and going, there it is. I mean, God is like, no, it's in the Bible. I can talk about it. I'm serious. And I want to tell you, I believe God is going to start doing group circumcision. I believe what's happening is the church is so carnal, so Laodicean, so fleshy, so full of itself, so in need of entertainment, so in need of the wrong things, that the church can't get into the conversation of the Trinity, and the church can't get drawn into the, to the agenda of heaven because it's got its own self, you know, kingdom to build. And God, in his mercy, is going to come into a group of people, and he's going to draw the sword, and it's a lightsaber. And he's going to slice right down between you, and he's going to cauterize the, the true self and the false self, and your fleshy self is going to fall off, and he's going to say, now you choose by the Spirit to, to put to death the deeds done in the body. So it's you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You can't cru- circumcise yourself, but you can cooperate with the operation. And you walk your false self to the cross, and then you're free. You're free from thee. <laughs> because your worst enemy is your false self. It's not Satan. Satan lands and builds an alliance with your false self, and then other orphan false selves build an alliance, and we have these little alliances of orphans. And these little orphans, you know, know how to manipulate and, and negotiate their way through the planet to, to reinforce their false selves. And they're always offendable. They're always offended. They're always, they're always political. They've always got an agenda. They, they, they love to, to get excuses to divide. They love to divide because that gives them more power, the false self. And, and we've been trying to build churches with orphans. I mean, I mean, God gave me the revelation the church is to be a family. So I thought, oh, praise God, this is going to be so fun. Everybody's going to love this revelation of family. So, oh, my goodness, come on, everybody, we're going to build a family, and it's going to be a tribe, and we're going to have family all around the world. And everybody goes, yahoo! And their, their spirit man, their true self said, yes, amen, I know that's God. They could hear the, their spirit was going, woo, woo, woo. I could feel the anointing. I could feel the word of the Lord. I mean, I was so into this. I wrote a doctoral thesis on this topic 
of the apostolic, the recovery of tribes, uh, interconnected families and churches. And, I mean, it's like, this is how God's going to bring the kingdom to the earth. I know what I see in the Bible that's clear. Hey, and everybody goes, their spirit man goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We're going to be a part of that. Well, then you get into the middle of it, and people start getting to know each other, and then all of a sudden their false cells start coming up, and the one false orphan cell starts bumping up against the other false cell, and they start having little, you know, you know uh, battle-offs of who is going to reign supreme in their ego. And the distrust grows because they're already daddy wounds. They're already mommy wounds. They're already ancient judgments and criticisms. And they've sown judgments. They're reaping judgments. You sow judgments. You reap judgments. And then everybody gets offended. And the false souls are walking around, I'm offended. I'm offended. And you did this. And you said that. You didn't do this. You said you would do that. You didn't do that. And then there are other people, the false self says, I put my trust in a man because you said you're going to be a spiritual father. You didn't pay my college bills for me. And you didn't come to me at 2 in the morning and coddle me when I was hurt, my feelings were hurt. I mean, like, what kind of father are you? I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. So, and then, I'm, and then I go, I'm offended that you're offended. And what we have is a bunch of offended false selves walking around that are trying to build family. I mean, try, have you ever tried that? Like build a family with wounded, orphaned people with daddy wounds and demons? Now, that's my idea of hell on earth. Been there, done that, and I'm not getting down on anybody. It's, it's, it's just, wow, that, it was a, that was a rough one. So God called us to apostolic tribalness. And, the, and, and to the degree that you've been called to something will be the degree of your death. Did you just catch that? To the degree of your vision, to the degree of your call, will be the degree of your death. So, so Mr. Tim, with his little false self, he's like a get-or-done guy, so he's going to try his best to pull this off. You know, and he's going to work night and day, and he's going to struggle. Oh, yeah, of course we prayed. Of course we did this, and of course, but internally... I'm like, this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working, got to try harder, this isn't working... Guy goes, it isn't going to work. It isn't going to work. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I poured my life, my money, my time, everything. I mean, everything for this place. Everything for that discipleship house. Everything to reach this neighborhood. I didn't want any glory. I didn't care. But I was still trying. I still had soul power. Still trying. And the Lord goes, little orphan Tim, you inherited that Germanic driven, performance-oriented personality. You're so competent and self-reliant, aren't you? Go ahead. Give it another year. Try your best. I'm like, okay, I will. (gasps) Ooh. (laughs) And, you know, about nine months, I'm going, chuckalaka, boom, chuckalaka, boom. I can't do this anymore. The harder I loved, the more I was hated. <laughs> it's like, this is like, what is the point? What is the point? You see what I'm saying? The harder I tried, the more I was despised because the higher the expectations for a man, the higher you set someone up as the source of your life and your deliverance, the more you will hate them, hate them when they don't deliver. 
So I didn't have the precise language of how to talk about the circumcision of the heart, the severing of the false self, the degree of death and inner healing that we'd have to go through. It's taken me 15 hard learning curve years to figure out what it means to establish an apostolic tribe. And so we used, to, we used to try to sell people on family, and you're going to feel the love of God, and the presence of the Lord is going to come, and we're going to... And now the Lord says, here's how you talk to people at the front door. Hello. God loves you. We love you. Inside of you is a true self. And if you would like to come into this family, the first phase of it will be a honeymoon, and it will be, you'll be lubricated, and there will be an, an anesthesiologist that will meet you... To, to anesthetize what's about to happen. So like us a lot right now. Start liking us a whole bunch right now. Get as much of the ooey, gooey, shimmering, plasmic, jelly-like substance of God's affection right now. You're going to need it. Because when you come and join our family, you get to die. Join our church and die. We should put that on the front of our website. And every brochure, join our church and die. That is so un-American. It's like, no, no, join our church and we'll meet your needs. Join our church, we've got the program for you. we got the children, we got the youth, we got the stuff, we got the this. We'll get you onto that. We'll help you here, we'll help you there. And everybody will go, yeah, yeah. There is a dues. There is a dues to our country club. And you do, we do want you to pay, show up and pay your dues. But it's all about you, for sure. It's all about you. Yeah, we'll, we'll be sensitive to you as a seeker. And we don't want to hurt your feelings. That would be bad. And I'm like, hmm. So, God, so the message is, come to the rock and get circumcised. Such a joyful conversation. But honestly, honestly, it's really going to be a, a, a good thing. I hate you. I hate you. Okay. You get it? All right. Now, the reason why we have to go through that horrific, painful, bloody, difficult, confusing process is because, because on the other side of the process, and you're never fully over it, okay? You're never fully over it. But there are, there are surges of, of surgery. And now and then you'll find a little flap of skin on the heart of your life. Little flesh that God has to remove. But the fact is, you can take great surges forward if you'll cooperate with the process. So, here's the deal. Inside of you is an ancient spirit. Inside of you is a true self. Inside of you is a spirit that contains the Holy Spirit. And when they co-mingle, your best self explodes. And you're in in an unlimited place of freedom. And when your false self dies, you can't be offended. You're constantly forgiving people. Immediately, your true self is... Ah, I know, you want to get offended. You want to come back off the cross and get all upset. I'm sorry, but I am going to interrupt the process of the sequence of your offendability. 
So you keep your sorry self on the cross. And you will, and you will not have a courtroom conversation about how they've done you wrong and how they creepeth and why they sucketh. You will not. Why? Because the more you accentuate their false self, you will awaken it and you at the same time. And you put the law on their false self, and it makes it even worse. You should be better than that. You ought. You should. I expected more. You put the law on the false self, and you have just put fire on gas. So God wants a people that have died to their false self so their free, true self can come alive. And you know how we, the surgery happens? Not by pointing out how people are stinky. It's by saying, you're a son of God. I want to tell you who you are. I want to speak to your spirit, man. I want to awaken by the word of the Lord. The prophetic, the prophetic on this side of the cross isn't to tell you what, how you stink. The prophetic is to speak to you from the spirit of God, from the eternal realms, from the throne room, and tell you who you are. So you'll be motivated to kill the, your enemy, your false self. It's like, oh, you're right. That dude is keeping me from my destiny and from my identity. I am, I am not, my identity is not based on what you think I am or what people think I am or how well I work or whether I have a bad hair day or not or the size of my body or curves, whatever. My, my identity is I'm a spirit being from heaven. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. I'm a son of the Most High God. I'm free from rejection of the fear of man. I'm fearless. I'm full of faith. There's nothing I can't do with Christ who strengthens me. Wow. It's so worth it to die to self, false self, and to be alive and free and to not have your identity depending on circumstances and money and people and, and this, this American definition of success. Like who defines success? Isn't it the Father that defines success? Jesus didn't look all that successful at the end of his life, let me tell you. Like he didn't have the masses and published books and lots of money in the account and he was a, it was a ragtag little group at the end of his life. That was it. All right, so what is God doing? He's trying to find a people willing to die to their false self and go through the homework, this precision of this process, and get in close proximity with other believers enough to where their flesh bumps your flesh, their sunburn hits your sunburn, and ow, ow, and all that process, oops, oops, there it is. There's a little more. You cannot become like Jesus in isolation. You've got to have a family. You've got to be in close proximity. You've got to be in the place of close and discomfortable to where your, your inner conversation is coming into the light. But the only kind of group you want to do that with are people that will not judge you during your surgery. They have to understand, look, your false self is no different than my false self, so what's the deal? Now, I might want to just, I want to say something real quick. And this is all in the Bible. I just kind of got going here. here. Here it is. Your false self has two sides to it. It has an unrighteous side, and it has a self-righteous side. Your, your false self is what cultivates religion. Okay. And your, so your false self has the unrighteous side. I just, ah, screw it all. I'll just go get drunk. 
I'll just go lie. You know, it's all the stuff, the false self, the unrighteous stuff is the stuff you can go to jail for. The self-righteous stuff is, this, is the pride-based religious things that we do to bolster ourselves up. Neither one of them work. So the Lord wants a people who are connected at the heart, exchanging the life of Christ, who have died to themselves, and they're fully alive and free, and they don't get their identities from their positions, their roles, or their paychecks. They're in love with Jesus, they're in love with each other, and they're free spirits, and they can dance together in the spirit world and bring heaven to earth. Does that sound like fun? That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? You don't have to wrangle with a bunch of egos and power plays. You just get to be with a loving family, and you, wa- and you get to submit to the Christ in each other. Now, that's what Italy needs. All right, now, now here's how it's going to roll out. I'm just telling you, when God says, I'm going to change Christendom, he didn't mean tweak, he didn't mean adjust, and he didn't mean go back in history and replicate history. Like, read all the books about revival, do what they did, and it'll all work. No, it won't. No, it won't. That's what we thought it would do. We thought, read all the books, Zeus' Street, Welsh Revival, get in a room, pray your heart out, live simple, miss a bunch of meals, and the next thing you know, the swoosh will hit the room, and the cavalry will come, and everything will be good. Well, we did about 20 years of that. Or, you know, whatever. And when I was in Wisconsin, the Lord localized at the end of my bed and shared with me Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And he said, all the scripts that you guys and scenarios you guys have invented in your youthful zeal, none of them I'm going to honor. He goes, I am absolutely going to peel off the false self from the true self, and I am, I am going to force you into being spiritual families, and I am going to develop fathers and mothers and sons who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and I'm going to connect people at the heart, and the flow of my spirit is going to happen all day long, 24-7, in the streets, in the homes, you don't need a building. You don't need an anointed uh, you know, preacher or worship team. I am going to simply flow like a river through the corridor of the human heart. And the wineskin of heaven is the connection of hearts in organic covenant family. And they, that will be an unstoppable wave of my presence on the earth. And my kingdom is going to come through the conduit of skin connected at a heart level with each other. And the river of God is going to flow. And they will set up businesses that bring glory to me. They will have families that bring glory to me. They will, they will do art that brings glory to me. They will do media that brings glory to me. They will write books. They will do, there's no sphere of society that that kingdom family can't influence. And because it's been dereligioned and all the little religious boxes have been stripped away and all the, the bases of programs and all the little compartments, all the little compartments are gone and they have an unlimited access to influence. That group of covenantal people, by the way the word covenant means to connect with at a heart level, it's to be one with. That covenantally connected people under Jesus, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that group of people will have a building permit to do whatever they want in whatever city they want to go to. And I said, well, you know, when I heard that, I was like so romanticized 
And I said, but I said, Lord, I came from such a dysfunctional family and such a messed up church. In light of what you just shared with me, straight up with me right here and now, I, w- I was weeping. I said, I can't do that. I am not any of this. I don't know how to do any of the things you're talking about. I was not trained for any of this. I mean, I'm a seminary graduate, church growth expert, church planter. I don't have a clue how to do what you just told me. He goes, I know. I know. I said, I'm a broken dude. In light of what you just showed me, because I, I saw it by revelation, what it was going to cost me, what I was going to have to do. And I didn't have the tool set. I did not have the tool set to do it. So I'm a driven, ambitious, gifted, you know, academic, capable personality, all that, with organizational skills. And God goes, not one bit of it is going to cross over into what I'm called to do. And i like, oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. And I stood up in front of the church that I, that I had planted. And they were all, you know, because I was the church planting guru of our Grace Ministries church planting movement with Bickle. I stood up there and wept. I said, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I am so sorry I'm your pastor. <laughs> I did. I said, we're going to have to kill, we're going to have to end everything. I don't even know, I mean, none of this is right. You know, we, we stick the kids over here, we do this, we do that. None of it's right. And I just shut all the programs down and started meeting with guys. And I started saying, guys, we are the problem. So I started praying over men and saying, release the Father heart of God and praying over myself, release the Father heart of God. And no kidding, you know what I did? When I, re- when I saw the power of Father's blessing, I wrote out a blessing prayer for myself because I knew my dad wouldn't understand this, even though he's an ordained Presbyterian pastor. And I printed out, typed out the prayer. I drove over to my dad's house. It was about 10 o'clock at night. I was, I was shaking because I knew I, I had to get this done or I was going to die without a blessing, or he was going to die without a blessing. Or, I mean, it was, I, so I go over there. He answered, the, my mom answers the door. 10 o'clock at night, my dad's watching Johnny Carson in his boxer shorts. So it ends up, I said, Dad, read this prayer. Can you, can you pull my head and pray for me and give me a father's blessing? He goes, okay. So he ends up doing that, and when that started happening, when I started honoring God, the Father's blessing, both, and, and later I learned a spiritual Father blessing is even more important, powerful, um, changed my life. So I, I started getting into divine order. So here's the deal. Something in you knows there's more. Your spirit, man, knows there's more. And in order to go on the journey of the apostolic migration that is happening in the body of Christ, you're going to have to leave leave a whole bunch of institutional expectations and you're going to have to go into a realm of trust that is going to shake your world to the very fiber. When you heard Norm's speaking this morning, he wrote, Norm wrote seven books, and he goes, every single one of his books was tested with death. He wrote a book on unity, he wrote a book on this, and he wrote, wrote about, and literally he gave 40 years of his life to building a tremendous kingdom church, a flagship church in the network he was in. It doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist anymore. It was decimated. 
through mismanaged leadership. So everything he wrote about was tested and, and cut off because that death, that death and disappointment took him into the other realm of spirit. So what you saw here today was a resurrected person. Because he's freer today than he ever was. He's not defined by, his, by what churches he planted. All of that got cut off, or what success he's had in business or as an author. Now, I know um, that may sound scary to you, but I knew Norm back when, and I know Norm now. I like the Norm I know now. The broken, the humility is unbelievable. The softness, the sweetness, that fruit of the Spirit emits out of him, he is not the same person. Why? Because he got rid of a bunch of his false self. God did. So everybody thinks, wow, I want to be, I want to have prophetic words and I want to be commissioned into great ministries and I want to do all this stuff with my life and I want to change cities. And you know what? You're called to want to do all that. You're called to want to be great. But your greatness is on the other side of death. And you won't get through the process without people that you deeply love. It's not going to happen. God even won't let it happen. And you can't have a superficial group of people that you just show up in a, in a, in a meeting and expect that to work. You can hide in a meeting. You've got to have some form of life together. You've got to do stuff together. You got to do stuff in such a way that your flesh is going to get exposed and you're going to have these deep and profound conversations about it. And that's called family. So God is a father, he's a son and he's a spirit. He builds his kingdom relationally and family. And in the scripture it's super clear. God is going to raise up apostolic and prophetic fathers and mothers. They're going to form they're going to form a corporate parental uh Anoint, uh, parental unity and that, that apostolic team, that APES team of people is going to form translocal families and those translocal families, that means in many locations, are going to go and release the kingdom in other cities and nations. Now there's going to be a lot of these tribes. It's all in the Bible, by the way. Paul wrote letters to the, Galatia, the churches in Galatia. He had Aquila and Priscilla Silas, Timothy, all of these were on the apostolic leadership. They were prophetic, they were parental types. Lydia was another one. How's that? On the apostolic team. So women and men were on this apostolic parental leadership team. It's all throughout the book of Acts. It's all in all the epistles. They refer to Timothy as a son. And all these different people, Silas as sons. They could send people here, send people there. So here's the deal. You can't just be loosely attached to the body of Christ, coming and going when you want, disconnected to a strategic plan, and live in an independent life and call that family. That's not really family. You can't come when you want, go when you want, do what you want, and say, I'll drop in here when I want, and then drop over there when I want. And when you do that kind of life, you're not weaving yourself into team life and family life in a way that's meaningful. You're still in control. You tracking with me? 
And the spirit of independence and control and isolation is, is how America got built. So we have to go in the opposite spirit of our culture. God started breaking that on me with team sports. You know, football, basketball, all that stuff. Team sports. And I had to learn to play as a team player. And I had to coordinate my life with other people. I couldn't just show up to practice when I want. I couldn't just, you know, come to the games when I want and dress in the way I wanted. I had to get in sync with a bunch of people and play ball with those guys. And it was the fellowship of suffering. People that don't want to have fellowship and suffering, they don't go very deep relationally. So I'm, I'm just saying that it, it's really time to aspire and grow up, aspire to be apostolic people. And to grow out of this dysfunctional model that we've been taught is the church. And to connect in a way that God is our Father, we are a family, we're bringing the kingdom on earth, and we have a fellowship of suffering, our inner conversations are coming into the light, and we're playing, we're playing the game of the kingdom with each other in a real way. That's what God's trying to do. Some people will be apostolic. That means they'll be entrepreneurial, they'll be, mili- they'll be fathers and generals. That happens to be my particular call. I've had it since the day I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I was able to start something out of nothing. I was able to see a vision that didn't exist and bring, see a vision, gather people, and go for something. I've, I've been able to do that by the Spirit since I was 16 and 17. I did not understand that. I have a pastor's heart, but I'm not really a pastor. So people get offended with me by what I'm not. It's like, well, you were a pastor to me for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden you're casting vision. I mean, I felt that, I felt that nurturing affection flowing out of you. Like, now you're trying to get me to do something and, and, and give money away and lose my life. He said, like, what kind of pastor are you? And I'm like, you're right. I mean, that, I mean now that you mention it, like, why aren't you always there for me? carrying a box of Kleenex and just wiping my nose and making me feel better. And I'm like, I, I know that's important, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm just a bad guy. So it, it's really been a troubling thing for me, personally, to be an apostle. And, and, and the only title you have in the American church is pastor. Maybe evangelist and teacher. That was it. That's all we had. Teacher, get that guy. Talk, you know, he tells, explains things. Evangelist, oh, we know he's out there leading people to Jesus. Pastor, he's the guy that organizes the, the committees, the meetings, the programs, the church, and shows up when I'm in the hospital and counsels me when I'm in trouble and can answer the phone when I call him and, and, and be at my beck and call. Well, where's the prophet in that one? Where's the apostle? The church is built on the foundation of apostle and prophet. Not built on the foundation of the pastor and the teacher. And so the American church threw these guys right out. They said, well, they're not for the day. Well, that's wrong. That's evil. That's, that's the, the demonic. It's a conspiracy. So now God's re-emerging the apostolic. But the problem is the first guys that stepped into the apostolic adopted the old methodology of network building and franchising. They didn't operate fully in the Father's heart. They didn't know how to lose their life. They didn't know how to raise up people. They didn't know how to equip equip well. So they just put apostle on their card and build a network. And and it, it so hurt people. 
that they, the minute the next guys came along that had some reality in him, they were like, your apostle, your prophet. I mean, because they just didn't know how to handle it. So God is trying to recover true prophetic, true apostolic, and the journey that to that place has been gruesome to learn all these different life skills, as kingdom skills to be a father. So now the goal is for, for us, what we're wanting to do is, is God said, I want you to build this tribe called the Rock Tribe, and the Rock means Jesus, and it also means the reclaiming of Christ's kingdom. And he says, I want you to start in the inner city, work with the poor, blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of breaking out in El Paso and Laramie and other places. So we're a, we're a translocal family of churches. We're not big. And, the, and it's a good thing we're not because the learning curve has been so gruesome for the last 17 years. I've made every stinking mistake in the book. I mean, not the big sin ones, but, you know, a lot of other ones, a lot of relational ones. And I wasn't able to explain myself and explain us very well, so it confused people. Like, for example, uh, I would say, okay, we're going to get everybody into groups do and do uh, missional kingdom families, do small groups, and we're going to work on that. And as we're working on it, the Lord goes, okay, now it's time to begin to do micro-businesses. So I'd say, okay, now we're going to, everybody, we're going to do micro-businesses. And the people that wanted, that wanted a shepherd pastor said, what are you doing? Like, you're changing the vision. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not really changing the vision. I mean, we're here to bring the kingdom to the city, right? Yeah, but, but you just said we're going to do small groups, right? Now you're saying we're going to do micro-businesses and gardens, right? Well, you're changing the vision. I'm like, you're a flake. You just get a vision and you throw it at the wall and whatever sticks, you just go with it. Like you keep burping up all these ideas. Like what kind of, what kind of guy are you? You're, you're making us crazy around here. I'm like, good point. <laughs> good point. And it was, it was, it was like, because I could see the city. I could see the need to bring the kingdom to the city. And, and I would say, we need prayer meetings. And we'd organize prayer meetings. And then we'd have small groups. Well, we have small groups. And then we'd have, then we'd have discipleship training schools and leadership training schools. They go, well, what are we? A discipleship training school, a small group movement, or micro-businesses and what are we? Would you, and that's what I would say. I'd say, well, aren't we supposed to be all of it? No. How can you be a church and a business? It's like, good point. And I'd have, to, I'd have these painful conversations. So finally I started drawing little circles and diagrams. I said, okay, there's a five spheres there's five spheres of strategy to bring the kingdom to a city. Listen to me, PayPal. These spheres are interconnected. And I would draw five circles everywhere I went. Five circles. Five circles. And I would like, in the middle of the circle is the prayer engine, the Father's house of prayer. Get it? You got to pray night and day, right? Get it? And then we say, now this circle overlaps that circle. See, they overlap. They overlap. And that circle right there... That is our micro-churches with DNA groups and inner healing. See it? Got it? See it? Got it? See it? Got it? Kind of, kind of, kind of. Okay, this circle right down here, it's equipping and training. There's going to be a college. What? College. What? Then there's going to be discipleship training, a leadership training. What? What? We're going to do this because it's got to be strategic. It's very important. Very important. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's like, oh, my gosh. 
Then I say, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're going to go over here. We're going to have compassion ministries, rock, solid, urban, impact. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a way to communicate with the business community. Do gardens, do tilapia. We're going to be able to have a sustainable community. We're going to mess with water. Water? Water. We're going to go for, you know, compassion, businesses. What are you talking about? It's God. It's God. It's God. I've seen it in Africa. I've seen it. We haven't been to Africa. I've been to Africa. It's in Africa. We're not in Africa, but it's in Africa. We're going to do it. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Boom. There it is. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. That's only four circles. Five circles. Five circles. Got to go to the nations. Nations? Nations. Why nations? What's about here? Because it's here and there. Here and there. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Oh, you can't even realize 17 years of this. I need a massage. I need my nails done. <laughs> that was not right. I don't even know why I said that. So, it's <laughs> so not me at all. <laughs> so, I want to say it's been such an exciting time. My wife's hair was falling out of her head. I mean, her, the stress was so bad, literally, her hair was falling out. She was down here, guns going kaboom, kaboom, and drive-by shootings, and gangbang, and prostitutes. And my wife says, my wife is, likes to mow the grass. She won't let me mow the grass. She's out there mowing the grass. She's looking like this. She's looking like this. <laughs> looking like this. She's looking like this. With, his, with a John Deere riding lawnmower in the, in the, in the uh, convent. Looking at her, looking at her, like, oh, I could see it. And the stress level, and her thyroid whacked out, and everything whacked out. And it was terrible. And I'm like, honey, you know, suck it up. We're apostolic. She goes, ha. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so apostolic. <laughs> She's just a sweetheart, you know. She's just a servant, a gift of helps. And, and if you think they were having problems with me, they were having problems with Janet. Why aren't you Miss Apostle with the big hair? Why aren't, you, why aren't you the one, you know, fired up and bringing it? And I was like, Janet goes, I just like to mow the grass and cook some food and, and be on the worship team? Why aren't you leading the worship team? Because I don't want to lead the worship team. You should lead the worship I don't want to lead the worship I don't know. Why are you, you know, it's just so bad, the expectations, the demands. And you know what we found out? It was all witchcraft. Well-meaning people out of their false self imposing their will on the will of another. That's witchcraft. So we were under this huge cloud of witchcraft and not knowing what to do with it. Loving people, trying to work with the poor, trying to do all this stuff and it's not working so good, and we're failing miserably, and nobody's happy. Furthermore, God says, build through a son. Build through spiritual sons. I'm a father. You're supposed to build through sons. I'm like, I want to give it away. I want to give everything to sons. So we gave it away. Not really fully. We said, steward the hub. Steward the hub. We never gave it away. We said, just steward the hub. And the son says, well, um, aren't I a son? Well, I should take the hub. And we'll not go into that. But anyway, the Lord has awakened a son. That, that worked really well. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being slapped up here with fun from my friend. Yeah. The peanut gallery. I, I know I'm just going into this, but I want to tell The reason I'm telling you all this is that I needed to die just as much as everybody needed to die. And in this room, people severed covenant with it. The covenant that we, we wrote, we wrote literal pages. We stood before God and read 
our covenant with God for his glory and to stay in unity. We made covenants with God in this room, and I've had people break covenant officially with me in this room. Welcome to the apostolic. Welcome to the kingdom. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I was. I was angry and hurt. I'm not anymore. I realize, God, this is awesome. There were fleshy places in my soul. There were places in me that got hurt and defensive and, and you know, whatever. God goes, you can't be qualified to go into this realm of the spirit as an offendable person. And furthermore, it's not your church. It's my church. And furthermore, forget the rock. It's not about the rock. It's about me. It's about this. And so relax. Rest the rest of faith. Stop being so energized by all this. Shut your mouth. Be quiet. Love everybody and keep moving. Then he comes along and says, all this was a practice, and it's still good. We're, we have a great family. I love it. But he says, I want this family to lay its life down and help raise up other apostolic tribes and love people with no strings attached, give everything you have away, and help raise up Jesus tribes around the world. And you, don't, they don't, you're not, you can be a resource and a catalyst, but they don't have to join you. And so we started an organization, you don't know about this yet, a corporation called Jesus Tribes. And we're, it's, it's basically our ability to freelance and give everything away generously and wish everybody well and say, go for it, like Brian here. Brian goes, I love that Jesus Tribes thing because he knows he's got to create a culture that, that fits Indiana where he's moving. He's got he's to shape it. He's got a unique way and a call and a culture he's going to have to bring that may not be our culture. So we need to bless him and say, go be an apostle and, and have fun. And we'll bless you. We'll affirm you. We'll lay hands on you. We'll commission you. We'll give you everything we got. Well, what's in it for you? A lot of death and no money and the joy of Jesus. That's what's in it for us. The joy of Jesus. We love Jesus. That's why. And we like you. Plus, if I get into trouble, I'm definitely wanting to stand next to you. It's like... So, right now, there's been a transition in the spirit world in our group. It's an amazing thing. I've, I've, I've seen God intervene. At the, he's so efficient. He did circumcision of the flesh while at the same time releasing some people, while at the same time moving Jason and Sarah and Paul Weiss and Laura and Nancy and Craig and, and Mike Whited and, and Dan and all these people into the right position and getting a core people. He's done all this stuff and so efficient that here we land at this moment of convergence. God is relaunching this family in the city, around and under Jesus and the kingdom, we're cleaner than we've ever been. We've got a purity that we have. We have skill sets that we know. We know how to do surgery better than we ever have before. Jason and Sarah have been set up by heaven with Paul, with this team, and to stand up and to bring Jesus to the city. Never have we seen anything so amazing. Probably in the economy of God, we're probably just starting. At least starting phase two. You know, Rocky did have, what, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky that, no, never mind. That was, so I am going to stay very connected with here in the Rock Tribe and, you know, 
strengthening Laramie. We're building a Father's House of Prayer with 24-7 prayer to go on. We're doing strategic things to build and to set this in motion. But we're, at the same time, Mono and I and you are being invited to come with us, pray with us about the notion of identifying apostolically gifted people, prophetically gifted people that we can sow our lives into and raise them up. Anthony would be one of those right here. Everybody say, hey, Anthony. And so Anthony has said, hey, man, would you, I don't think you said, hey, man, you just said, Papa T. You didn't say dude either. You just said, I love you. I sense the Lord on you. I need some spiritual fathering and mothering. I need to know how to do this. You can save me about 30 years of, you know, experimental living. And, um, you know, you get to make your own mistakes. We'll collapse time for you in the spirit. We'll stand with you, Anthony. We'll stand with you, Brian. We'll help you collapse time. We'll help you to be more efficient in the kingdom. And we want to give our lives to you. And then with no strings attached. So whatever. So we're going to have a good trip back to Colorado on Monday. It's going to be fun. I want to, I want to thank you. I want to thank you before we pray a commissioning prayer. I'm literally feeling the Lord coming all over me right now. I want to thank you. I want to honor you for standing with us during these 17, 18 years of a learning curve. They've been horrifically awesome. I mean, really. I wouldn't have changed anything. And I, I, I get things now, and I see things now that I never would have seen had it not been for you and for this journey. My biggest hero is Janet. Because I do have a gift of faith. I can see things. She doesn't have the gift of faith. She can't see things. She's really practical. She's day-to-day. -day. I'm future. I'm ideal. She's practical. Can you imagine being married to me? I'm always starting something. I'm always thinking of something. I'm, I'm always moving. And Janet's like, um, really, again? I mean, really? One more vision? I'm like, yeah, but it, we haven't completed the set. You see, we got park plays and boardwalk. We haven't bought all of the Monopoly board yet. We're supposed to own every single property on the Monopoly. We don't own them all yet. There's Baltimore. There's Pennsylvania Avenue. Broadway, like, so what's, what's your problem? Oh, yeah, Janet, yeah, Janet. So Janet's my hero. She's so amazing she, that she's walked with us and taken all the stuff and, and, and been gracious about it. Yeah, amazing. And, and I, yeah, 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 yeah. She is absolutely amazing. I think I'm still alive because of her intercession. No, really, Janet prays in a way that, you know, honestly, I'd be dead. I'm so stupid sometimes. I just wander into places, you know, angels fear to go. And it's, if Janet hadn't been praying, I'd be dead. I mean, I'd go into dangerous places thinking, yeah, it's God, let's do this. And it's like crazy. And she prays, she prays angelic all over us. And I want to really, really thank my kids. Can you imagine growing up with a dad like me? Seriously. Jason just found out I was offered six-figure income coming out of high school, coming out of college. Literally, coming out of college, I was offered this massive job and a lot of money. 
and it was really tempting, you know, because I knew that the guy that was offering this had made mega millions of dollars, and, and he wanted to transfer his business to me, and he needed a transparent person, and I was wrestling, do I go to seminary in, in the ministry, or do I go become a lawyer and then make a buckload of money? And I said no to that. And my kids have had to grow up around this death process. You know, they've had to grow around life but then death and, and hurt feelings and people separating and dividing and division. They've had to watch orphaned, uh, you know, um, ambitious leaders jack each other's lives up. How confusing is that for a little guy that, gets in, that adopts in his heart these beautiful people and then the next thing you know, we're not with them anymore. Can you imagine... It's like, uh, the church, no thank you. So my daughter and my son have walked through so much pain and so much confusion in the name of God and seen so much goofiness in the name of God. Much of it for me, some of it for me. And I just say thank you, Lisa and Jason, thank you so much for being my kids and surviving this whole thing. And coming out on the other side, you're just like, beautiful. Like, I want to be like you when I grow up. I mean, you're amazing. It's just like amazing. You realize they could be dead? Like, Jason, stupid. You just stupid stuff. He could be dead. It's dangerous to do this. Dangerous. I almost lost my kids. So, you hang in there, young lady. It's not all bad. It's awesome. There's a lot of good stuff. Seriously, it's awesome. You hang in there. It's amazing. You tell her that when you're done, when we're done. You get around her and tell her it's awesome. Kind of. All right, now, I want to thank you guys. Because you have said yes to an apostolic migration. I can't tell you the, hit, the, the sense of you're my heroes in this room. I can't believe a Paul Weiss. Heartbroken. Church trashed. Division everywhere. Broken lives. Bellies hanging out. Slit open. Guts. Accusations. Slander. Demons. It's like, here's Paul. Paul, we need you to stand in the gap. We need you to hold this place together. Paul, stand in there with us, God. Paul, please, please. No problem, Tim. It ain't going to be fancy. Not going to be big vision. I'll be there every day. I'll read the word, we'll study the word, we'll pray, I'll be there, ain't going to be fancy. I said, we don't need fancy. We just need a nice guy that loves Jesus, that likes the Bible, that is loyal and amazing and has character. That is Paul. That is Paul. Yes. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That is one of the biggest, strongest, most amazing men I've ever met in my life. He lives right down here in the hood. He struggled and suffered in this atmosphere for year upon year upon year. And that is a man's man in the kingdom right there. You want to know a man's man in the kingdom? Right there is a man's man in the kingdom. Well, Laura Bohunkus. Yeah, that's his uh, email address if you want to get Paul Bohunkus at gmail.com. I want to thank Laura. I want to thank Nancy and Craig and Michael and Kim. Mike, I want to thank all of you guys. We wouldn't have this place and this situation. I want to thank Sandy. I want to thank Maria. I, we got a new picture on the gym floor. Oh, my gosh, it's awesome. We're back. We're back. So I say thank you to all of you. Every one of you is my heroes. Literally, every one of you in this room is my heroes. Because you heard a sound coming out of your spirit. You heard a sound. You, you know what I'm saying, a sound? You know there's more. And you're going to do more. You're going to walk in more. And you're going to suffer all the way into victory. And we're going to watch an epic story unfold that is going to be so amazing. It's going to involve the nations. It's going to involve the poor. It's going to involve kids. It's going to involve those five spheres of strategies. And I'm so thankful for you. Amano and I, we want to lay our hands on. And I want to, uh, finally, finally I want to say thank you to Mono and Lori. This one, is, this one is a hard one to talk to because it looked like that might even not work. And Mono got through and into his prophetic self. And he came and he saw the mixture. He saw the dirt on Tim Johns and Janet Johns. He saw that dirt, but he saw the treasure like Norm was talking about. He said, I'm buying the field and I got the treasure. I'm going to go dig up that treasure. We're... We're, we moved only temporarily to Colorado to write a book, get a little rest for Janet so her hair would grow back, and, and her thyroid would get evened up, and then we are going to come back and live back in the convent. And then the thing blew up here and split, and then split. But Mono, Mono and Lori decide we're going to stick with our friends. And we heard the sound of heaven together with them. And they come, and they're kind of decimated. We're kind of decimated. And Mono looks at me, and he goes, I want to, I want to hold on. Scrape the dirt away. I want to tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. I said, are you sure? I think I stink. I wouldn't take me for I, I, I messed up. I did this. No, you're this. You're a father in the spirit. You're an apostolic guy. You know that, you know. Boom, rise up, man of God. And he would start speaking the truth as God saw me in the midst of our devastation, the most devastating, disappointing time of our life. And Mana was there speaking the truth in love, calling us up, calling us up, calling us up. So how do you thank a friend like that? How do you, what do you do? I mean, that's like unbelievable. So love you, Mano. 
oh my gosh, we're going to pray a commissioning over you. I'm going to have Mono come up here. And you guys come up. There is an apostolicity, a sound in your spirit. Mono might want to share something before we do. You guys come up and stand in front of us. Let us lay hands on you tonight. And, and let the Lord mess you up in the highest, most awesome way possible. All of you. Contrails, you get up here. You are fiery awesome. Who are you people? I love you. Get up here. Linda, come on up. Everybody, come up here. We're going to pray for you. Cameron, come up here. You've got this anointing on your life. Oh, I thought that was a person. We're going to be back at church. We're going to have an amazing time tomorrow. I'm going to have Andrew do a little sharing and some other things. We're going to have an amazing time. Thank you for letting me just get my spirit man out there. You guys okay with that? All right. Richard, everybody, come here. Danny, we want to pray. There's something on us that we get to impart. And that doesn't mean we're magicians. We're simply, there's a transference that we can give in the spirit realm. And, um, yeah, Chuck? Oh, absolutely. Real quick. No, no. Yeah, a lot of people get messy, right? We're hoping they do get messy. Yeah. Um, well, we have a fellowship down here, and we're glad you're here. And we've invited all of you for lunch after church tomorrow down at the convent. So you are welcome. So please come. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so after church, free food. No, we're going to probably contribute some of our food. They know that. We've got some leftovers. We have some really good leftovers. So the convent's down here at 11th and Norton. So after church, we'll go down there and hang out, and you'll get to see where I used to live, the building we used to own. And Laura, yeah. Derek used to live there. All right. Keep you a good nun. Um. Move closer. So, the <laughs> Myers, not that close. Uh, and so, remember when uh, when Norm was talking about there are things that we know or we think we know, and then God makes us uh, a mouthpiece for the things we think we know. And then he tests us, right? And then, then you own it. Then it's yours. When you go through the crucible on the other side of the crossing. So this is uh, something I want to share because it's, uh, it's not an echo. It's a voice. And it's, it's really important that um, to do this commissioning, we have to sit people in the right place in our heart. You know, we have chairs for people. We sit them in our hearts. So like... Oh, James, you're my friend. I sit you as a friend. I also sit you as you have an, an outreach evangelistic love anointing. So I sit you in that chair too. And so before I, we do that, I want to share something that is very important. Because, of course, we know Tim and his gifts, right? And so we sit him in a certain chair in our heart, right? We sit him in the 
apostle. And then all the other fivefold, because he can function in all five of them, to be honest. And so we sit him in there, and that's improper. Uh, that's really not, and that's not okay. And that the whole theme of restoring fathers and sons is in the midst of what we're about to do. So let me tell you um, what's happening. Elisha and Elijah, to get something. You see, like Elijah was the rabbi. He was the teacher. He was the prophet, right? He actually was a whole bunch of other things. But the way that Elisha related to him is my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. My father, my father. This is what he says. And so Elijah is trying to get rid of Elisha. This is what he says, like three times in a row. As the Lord lives and as your, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. As the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And so all those all those things, you know, those circumstances, the, the, the failings, and all, those are like trying to get rid of you. It's like, are you going to stick with, are you going to stick with what I've said and with your father, or are you just going to bail out? And <clears throat> it is super important you don't receive this as my apostle, my apostle, or my gifted teacher, my gifted teacher, or my rescuer, my shepherd, or my whatever. You have to receive it as my father, my father. And as long as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And this is like the, the there is a there is a reward there is a reward um, in the heart of the Father it says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to Him and then there are proverbs that talks about every man calls himself loyal but a faithful man who can find <laughs> so everybody in their own eyes are loyal but the Lord's saying I've been looking to and fro so I just want to share that we need to position our hearts in the place of yes we know the gifts we know the call we know all that but that's not what we are receiving That's not, I'm just telling you, that's not. It's a father's blessing. So this is how an inheritance gets passed down. It doesn't get from a prophet to another prophet. Or from an apostle to another apostle. It comes from a father to a son. 
So I just want to ask right now the Holy Spirit to make this moment really significant because obviously it's, it's kind of easy right now to jump with the flow. You'll be tested. If you haven't, if it's not shaking yet, Hebrews 10, I promise your turn's coming. He's getting to you. But if we have like the right positioning, the right relating, then the the inheritance, the all the promises are coming to you through the Father channel, not through the gifted apostle, the German, the whatever. Is it's not coming down to you. You get nothing. I mean, it's it's a Father that, and so the way you receive it is how you connect to it in your heart. How do you relate? And it's, yeah, it's it's God's kin, and it has a history, and it has a person, but really you're positioning yourself with the Father who chose a Father to release it to you. So Father, right now, just simple, and you, you don't have to say it or repeat it, but if the Lord does it to you, I want you to go after it. I receive the inheritance, the coat, the this apostolic migration, this call to life on life and the kingdom of God invading the earth in all sphere of life and the nations and the kingdomizing the marketplace and seeing the poor and the children. I receive that. I receive all of that through the Father channel. And I receive you as my Father. And I also want to position myself like a son, like a daughter, under the Father that you've chosen. And so I say, my Father, my Father, I receive I receive from you, my Father. <laughs> you have many teachers. Yeah, there's these great teachers. You have many of them. You have very few fathers. And Tim is one of them. And so I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that there's a transaction in heaven. Not so much in this room. But that we, we come to this time having the culture of honor, recognizing what you are doing, and seating Tim and Janet in the right seat in our hearts. And so everything that's that we come under the umbrella of who we are and what we are called, we really connect with the means of grace of you choosing a father, and we say through this father we receive the means of grace and as <laughs> as sure as the lord lives i won't leave you i won't leave you god and i won't leave you amen i can't tell you how 
profound that is, what Mono just shared, because the medium of grace, God mediates his grace through fathers and mothers. That's the, you know, God gives children, honor your father and mother, or it will go well with you and you'll live a long life. The, God mediates his grace, conducts his grace through fathers and mothers. So the, the church is being morphed and transitioned from an institutional program based to a family with fathers and mothers. So God mediates. It says, you know, young men, honor your fathers, and that will be the conduit. So take hands. And what it's the quality of connection that determines the degree of the impartation. That's what Mono's saying. The quality of the connection determines the depth of the impartation. You can get a gift, a gift, you can get a, a, a gift, or you can get the nutrients of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And that's what you're fine. The, the highest level thing you need is identity as a son or daughter. You don't get that in with ministry gifts. You get that as a daughter in a family. So identity is directly related to how you realign your heart with the son, the fathers and the mothers in your life. And so that's what Mono is saying. And he, he really is, this is, this is where the greatest fear is. Because we've been wounded by our dads and our church dads and moms. And so in the wounding, we have fear. And that fear is control and isolation and all, and all independence. And I'll do what I want when I want to do it. And so, and we, we can get enough of a case against a father to invalidate and disqualify him. There's not one spiritual father walking the planet that is, can't be invalidated by some weakness. So really, basically, how you relate to a father reveals where you're at with God the Father. Does that make sense? And he's going to, there's no perfect father, I'm sorry. So that means your faith is going to be tested by the God gap in the father you've been given. Not one father is going to pull this off well. There's a God gap that's going to require you to leap and say, you're a spiritual dad to me. And I realize that if God doesn't intervene, you could, you could hurt me. And my intent is never to hurt anybody. But you can hurt somebody's feelings without knowing it. So you have to now get over your daddy wounds and mommy wounds and risk and open your heart to the potential of someone with that kind of power in your life. And that took me a long time with my daddy wounds until I yielded my heart to a father, spiritual father, and yielded my life. So here we go. We are saying, if you want to, if God's this destined we want to be a family to you. It, whether it's brother, like Jim and I, I'm not his spiritual father. I could be. When I'm fathering him, I'm, you know, he could father me. So in a way, I can lay my head on Mono's lap and his chest and receive from the father through him and turn around and father Mono. Okay, so fathering is a is a way of a quality connection where we where we impart the nutrients of the Lord. If you've never looked at someone like a spiritual father or mother, you've ripped yourself off. Okay? So Father in Jesus name, I ask first of all that you could so heal the people in this room and those watching that you would give them new grace to reopen their heart to human beings that are the agency of the Father's love to us. Heal us enough, Lord, to open the crack of our heart so that the affection of the Father can skate through, a, through them to us.
and we don't kung fu and 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 deflect the 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 difficult feelings called affection and intimacy and fruit Janet and I in the name of Jesus we release to you the father heart of God we're going to move around and touch all you really quickly in just a minute. We release to you the Father heart of God, the affection of the Father. May you be healed. May you be blessed. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you be given the fruit of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit, the revelation of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. Okay, Mono and I and Janet, we're going to just move around and lay our hands on real quick. We're not going to take a long time. Receive. 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 Like a spiritual daughter, receive. Like a spiritual daughter, receive. Like a son, receive. You have a daddy, Paul. Spiritual father. I just couldn't be more honored to be one of those for you. Receive, Ray. And then just and then just go and give that father heart to everybody. And God give Ray sons and daughters who don't just relate to him as a ministry, but love him like a father. And give him the grace to love people like a father. Get, help him to be healed from his daddy wounds and mommy wounds and church wounds. So this thing becomes fun again. You know, when you're thinking of Naomi, that's fun. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be fun to have a church full of Rays and Naomi's and Nathan's? That's, that's, that's fun. Receive, Emma. May the Lord heal you from your own daddy wounds, your church wounds, and where you can re-enter as a mother in the Spirit. Chuck, receive. The Lord direct you to your spiritual dads and families, Chuck, where you just get to jacuzzi in the love of the Father. And then then you can't be a, a, a father until you're a son. And may the Lord give you the fun to be, of being a son so that you can be a father. Did you guys hear that? You can't be a father unless you're a son. Because freely receive, you freely give. By son, I mean women too. You can't be a mother unless you're a daughter. Because it's the, it's the freely receiving that causes the freely giving. Receive, daughter of the Most High. Receive, receive. 